You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Nationals podcast. It is Wednesday, February 24th, 2021. On the show today, my conversation with Maria Torres of The Athletic. She is the new Nationals beat writer. We touch on what are the biggest questions heading into the uh, 2021 season for the Nats. Kind of talk about the roster as a whole and get Maria's perspective on uh, the new team she is covering. So it's a whole lot of fun to talk to her. All right, awesome edition here of the Locked On Nationals podcast coming your way today. Joining us from The Athletic, uh, she is the new beat writer for the Washington Nationals for The Athletic. It is Maria Torres. Maria, welcome to The Beat. Uh, I just want to say last year I joined, I started covering the Nats last year for Locked On. And hopefully your tenure starts better than mine did because mine started and then baseball stopped, which was a disaster. So knock on wood, things go better for you uh, in, in, in your first few months uh, with covering the Nats. That, that would be great. I will say um, may not be a great sign, but I've never covered a 500 teams. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, they weren't 500 last year, I'll tell you that. Um, but it, that's kind of, you know, where everything starts, right? This seems like, you know, from all indications, it's a team that is dead set on winning. And uh, they, you know, obviously parts of that championship team, a lot of it, uh, big parts of it are gone, but they do have the core intact. And it's about retooling and rebuilding around that core. And you can just tell everybody is locked in and displeased with last year's performance, I think, kind of is the sentiment and, and fired up to get going. Yeah, I would agree. Um, we've only gotten a chance to speak to like a handful of players so far since uh, I guess camp officially opened last week. Um, but yeah, you definitely kind of get that sense that everyone's ready to like put 2020 behind them and just like start start on a new page um, and compete in the NL East. And I think that's going to be, that'll be the key to all of this is that, you know, that the NL East is pretty deep. Um, and not that it hasn't been in years past, but I think it's a little deeper than it has been. Like, I mean, you know, the, the Mets did what they did and right. you know, all, all their off-field drama aside, like they've got a pretty real, like a really good starting rotation ready. Um, and, you know, the Braves are still the Braves and they've got some question marks in their rotation, but, you know, generally have like healthy pitchers coming back to it. Um, and then, you know, there's a Nationals, which three-headed monster or at least I guess two-headed with, you know, the little tiny one of Patrick Corbin hanging on this side, <laughs> <laughs> who's still trying to establish himself as like a, you know, as one of the three heads of the monster. But um, yeah, I think it'll be a really interesting team and it could very well be one that's, it should be one that's over 500, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's really interesting because you look at the National League East and you think about how daunting it is. But then I think for this team, the message has to be worry about yourselves, right? I think, you know, you kind of last year, you think about, oh, well, we should be able to get by, you know, a lot of these teams. And then, you know, lo and behold, the Phillies want to make the playoffs. The Mets want to make the playoffs and the Nats did. And neither of them did. None of those three teams did. The Marlins were the second team out of the division that made the playoffs. And it's so, you know, I I think kind of the perspective of worrying about yourselves is kind of the way they have to handle it. One thing that's been interesting is hearing the pitchers talk. Um, and nobody is more creature of habit than starting pitchers, right? I mean, these guys are so used to their routine. And I think we saw so many young pitchers pitch last year because so many guys got hurt. And one thing that I've picked up on, and I'm sure you have too, is that there's not a tentativeness, but 
there is a realization about how ramped up they can get going. You know, Max Scherzer talked about, uh, you know, I'm not trying to go out there and, you know, go a full nine innings at the, from the, you know, from start number one, right? You know, it's pacing yourself. Um, Steven Strasburg, I'd mentioned that, I think, as well. He's more, you know, kind of getting ready to go with the injury and stuff. But uh, Corbin mentioned, too, you know, he was thrown off last year by that, and, and he wants to pace himself this year. And I think that's something that's going to be interesting to watch. Like, I think the group, uh, especially in this National League East, that paces themselves is probably going to position themselves to be the most healthy long-term. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a great point. And it really helps that all of those stars that you mentioned are very well experienced and they know their bodies and they know what it takes to get through a full major league season. Um, and they know that like, you know, last year didn't work out for them for a number of reasons. One of them being that ramp up or that extended ramp up, whatever you want to look at it, however you yeah. want to like classify the shutdown everybody was staying active. Like they never really recovered. That was one of the issues that Steven Strasburg said he had um, is that if he wished if he wished that he had known how long it would take to get back to baseball activity, mm. because he would have stopped throwing for a little while and kind of given himself a break. Um, but yeah, those guys really know themselves well. They know what it takes to get through the season. And I don't know that you can say that about every single like, competitive rotation in the NL East, because like I've, like I mentioned with the Braves, some of them are some of them are um, some of them are coming off of injuries. Um, other others are just kind of young. Um, and then you know with the Mets, it's also another bunch of you know injury injury types. And like Taiwan Walker, who hasn't pitched since 2018, 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, those are all all things that are gonna really factor in in the rotation too it's so interesting because last year they were throwing austin both out there every fifth day and i mean it was almost like an automatic loss i mean i hate to say that about him but it really was and i expected them to do a little more like and this is no offense to john lester i mean it almost seems like john lester is more of a pitching coach like all these guys talking about being able to pick his brain and and talk to him and that's great but the nats you know they when they won the world series they could trust uh anibal sanchez you know, it's a guy who went, he had a long streak that season where he, they didn't lose when he was starting. And for them to go from last year, what they had in Fetty and both in the back end to now having Lester and Joe Ross, we haven't seen in a year. You know, I think there is some cause to be concerned because you think about the Mets, you think about the Braves. I mean, those rotations, they go one through five. There is no, you know, there's not a significant drop off as you go, you know, as you go through those two rotations. And I'm, I am concerned. I think there could be some drop off. I mean, John Lester has been an excellent pitcher his whole career, but he is what he is. I mean, he is, he's older and he's not pitched well recently. He's just got to hold the fort down, but I'm concerned, especially in this division too, against these lineups. Well, that's really interesting. I don't really view it as a drop off after Mm. three. Um, I would say after four, it's just a big question mark because like you mentioned, Joe Ross hasn't pitched in 2019. The other two you mentioned, I I don't want to mess up their, their names. uh, So so, but you know, yeah, Fetty, yeah, Fetty and both. Yeah. Both, yeah. Um, I was saying both in my head before this. I, I've heard both and I always, I always go one way or the other. Uh, so yeah, I think you're good. Okay. So, I mean, I would say that those are the bigger question marks. I think John Lester, I mean, just, I think the fact that he's John Lester is, is good enough. Mm. Um, yeah. He's not the John Lester of young, but he's still, uh, he's still a very formidable pitcher. He's still someone who can, who and who has been a, a the, leader of a rotation very recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's not something to be to be understated. And 
yes, he also acknowledges that he has things that he needs to work on. And of course he does, but um, I think he, you know, he, he, he knows that about himself. He knows right. there are things that he needs to tweak and that he needs to approach better, or, you know, just maybe even kind of reinvent himself, like working with, or I guess, I guess um, reuniting with, with Jim Hickey mm -hmm. uh, will, will probably be a pretty good, good thing for him. And it, and it should kind of help, help like just make it more of a straight line from one to five. Um, Quick pause for the cause here on the Locked On Nationals podcast. Today's show is brought to you by betonline.ag. Football season's over, but you guys know the deal. There's still plenty of things available to get some action on at betonline.ag. You've got college football futures. You've got Major League Baseball futures. You've got the NHL, the NBA, NCAA basketball. All those things are happening right now. There's only one place that has you covered, one place that we trust, and that is betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code locked on. That's L O C K E D O N locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Once again, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Today's show is also brought to you by the delicious Built Bar, or I should say Built Bars. You guys know Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar out there. And the reason why I say plural is they've got 18 flavors. All of them are delicious. My personal favorite. Uh, I do love that new coconut brownie. That stuff is fantastic. I also do really like their mint brownie. Anything brownie, basically. Peanut butter brownie is good. Coconut almond is pretty good. Um, you know, mint brownie is very good. They've got 18 flavors. All of them are in chocolate. The original 12 flavors, six with nuts, six without nuts. They really do have something for everybody. You guys go to BuiltBar.com right now. You have a chance to win a free cooler with your purchase. Use that promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON. And you'll get 20% off on your next order. Once again, promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Also, want you guys know, go check out new podcast from Locked On Podcast Network. It is called Locked On Today. Peter Bukowski, every single day, gets you set for the day in sports. He kind of talks about the news from the night before and gets you ready for whatever the biggest stories are. Right now, obviously, on that show, they're talking about the injury to Tiger Woods. So that's happening there. All right, back to my conversation with Maria Torres of The Athletic. Yeah, I just have concern about his age, you know, because, I mean, the trend at this point in time, you know what I mean, is just the idea that he he could find, find some kind of form, definitely. But some a significant return, especially when things, I mean, especially last season, things were, things have been trending downward, I guess. 18 was awesome, 19 not so good. And then last year, you know, uh, in 12 starts was not good at all. And so I think there is something about the Nationals. They oftentimes are very good at kind of reviving people's careers, right? They come, you know, veteran guys come here and kind of get a fresh start. And I think that's a good opportunity. And also in the fourth hole, you know, fourth position, your job is just to be yourself. You know what I mean? Just be yourself, you know, go out there. I mean, a lot of, a lot of those guys in the fourth spot, it's a lot of throwing strikes, right? You know, just and trust your defense behind you type stuff. And I think he can do that. I definitely can do that. I just do have concerns about, you know, how does the stuff translate at that age? And, you know, is it, do, how will he adapt? I guess is kind of how, where my mind is at. Yeah, well, I mean, it's definitely a fair question. That's yeah. what we're, we're going to find out, especially these next couple of weeks and how how once he starts, you know, spring training and or pitching in spring training and games and how he looks against, you know, non-nationals. Right. Um, that'll, be, that'll be a telling factor and I think but I, I'm curious like who do you think they could have been that guy 
Well, I, so Taiwan, so Taiwan Walker was actually a name that we'd float the, the a name that a lot of people that we know, a lot of people I talked to floated around, right? It just kind of, it was a name that at, in the fourth spot, you'd love to have a guy like him, a guy like Drew Smiley, who the Braves very, I thought was an excellent move to snatch up Drew Smiley. That's an uh, awesome guy for them to have, especially if he's going to be their fifth starter that, you know, you, that's an excellent situation. So it was a guy of that mind. Now the Nets, I mean, their, their offseason plan was very clear. They, the contracts they signed, there are none that are over like a year or two long, right? And this team, um, and I, I don't know what that, I, I've grappled with this. I really don't know what that means. Are they trying to say, look, we can move some things around if this doesn't work. Can we kind of take two steps back? Because obviously guys like Scherzer are coming off the books and they're kind of in a weird spot, right? Because they've got these two bright, unbelievable stars in Trey Turner and Juan Soto. And they've got still really good, you know, they've got two pitchers, especially Corbin and uh, Strasburg, who are under long, longer contracts. So you've got those four foundational pieces, but everything else is kind of in flux. And as we saw last season, things go kind of sideways. Even having Trey and Juan on a day-to-day basis is not enough. So it's, I find it very interesting how they constructed, it was very strategic the way they constructed this roster. I'm just wondering what your thoughts are, you know, kind of all these short-term deals they've signed. Um, I can't speak specifically to the Nats game plan yet. Uh, right. I'm still trying to learn that. But I think one of the things to consider is that, like, it was really hard to, to drum, like, to, to create a contract for a player who had a short 2020 season. And if mm-hmm. it was bad, then, like, how, how do you translate that? How do you project that? And right. it would be really it seems like it's really tricky to try to get a long-term deal or even a multi-year deal out of someone who had a bad 2020, who you would like to see do well in 2021 right. and you want to take that risk, but you don't want to take a risk that's long, that, that'll lock you up for any kind of, any kind of amount of time, unless it's like really, really low paying. Um, so I think that's what, what would have made someone like Taewon Walker. Mm-hmm. That's a risk. That's right. a risk. You, have, you haven't seen him pitch in a while. Um, coming off of an injury you need someone who's at least solid in a, in the fourth spot like that for a team of this right um, I, you know it's really interesting too they've asked the pitchers a lot I, they're asking everybody about Juan Zoto uh mm-hmm. and I think there's I mean he is like you watching him in the world series and you watch him last season you know I was so curious how is he going to be oh. without Rendon because I thought he learned a lot from having Anthony Rendon and somebody you're familiar with covering the Angels you know having that caliber of player i mean such a great professional hitter guy never gets cheated having that guy you know alongside one and oftentimes in front of him i thought was really important he did not miss a step he was on a team that could not could not give him any protection at all he was unreal and i just i think there was legitimate excitement from everybody just to see they've got a couple bats now how is how the hell is he going to do and he didn't seem to be phased by the pressure at all i mean he just seems like he loves playing baseball and that's kind of the bottom line. So, you know, you coming here and now starting to cover the Nats, what are you, what's your impression of how people talk about him and how people kind of view him? Um, well, I think you just gave me a lot. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. Uh, I think that, I think that the nationals know that they've got MLB's next great player. Mm-hmm. If he's not already there, um, which I mean, it's still hard to unseat Mike Trout. No, yeah, no, not. he's the best. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's the yeah. best. <laughs> Um, but could he potentially like get really, really close to Mike Trout? Probably not that far off. Mm-hmm. 
um, it'll be interesting to see if how that tra- how last year translates over a full 162 game campaign, assuming we get 162 right. games this year. Um, so I, I mean, I think the general sense is that you know this is a star. You gotta you gotta at least build around him in the lineup. Um, and so they did bringing in Josh Bell, bringing in. Um, Kyle Schwarber, um, I know a lot of Nats fans are not, but fans in general are kind Spe- of like, Speaking oh, of risks, yeah, that one, a little <laughs> short-term risk, risk there. That is a short-term risk, but it's not, at least it's not that high paying. Mm-hmm. And um, you get the benefit of the fact that, you know, if he does well, maybe he'll stay. Mm-hmm. Um, and truthfully, I, I think the Schwarber thing isn't as bad a deal as it might seem to be um, based on the 2020 numbers because I'm with you too. I'm actually, I'm on, uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. A lot of people freaked out. You're right. And I was, I was thinking that's fine. Classic Mike Rizzo move, classic Mike Rizzo move. I Um, I liked it a lot too. Yeah. I mean, he's just someone who he's, he's always been like solid offensively. Mm -hmm. Um, Last year was bad, but like, generally speaking, if you look at his, if you look at just his basic, like baseball reference page, look at every full season he's played and I'm not counting the ones where he only played a couple, couple few games or where he was hurt or something like that. Um, he never produced an OPS plus below 99 except mm. for last year. So that means he's always been at least league average. Right. Um, and he has, uh, he, he strikes out sure, but he gets on base and he usually puts the ball over the fence. So that's, yeah. not, a, that's not a bad thing to have in the middle of the lineup. I would say I'm more concerned about Josh Bell Right. Well, the, he's the interesting one because the, the question there is, and I, I've heard a few, few schools of thought on this, is that, okay, so he's the guy in Pittsburgh. He was, he was their best, I mean, you know, the, the best guy in the middle of that lineup. They pitched to him differently. You know what I mean? He's no, no longer, I mean, he's probably not even, you know, the third most, second or third, wherever you want to put him. Trey and, you know, Trey and one of the two guys. He's probably going to see more fastballs, I'd assume, right? He's probably going to see more pitches that he can hit. Because they're going to have to pitch somebody. You can't pitch around everybody. And right. that's the whole point of, you know, being able to protect Soto is now they can create a, the back part of the lineup I have a lot of questions about, but they're going to be able to stack guys together to a point where they, they could put together Turner, Schwarber, Bell, Soto, and Castro. And all of those guys bring something different to the table and you're going to have to pitch some of them. And I think that's, that is the challenge that the Nats can present, but it does hinge on Schwarber and Bell taking some developmental steps and being, you know, more consistent. Like those guys both strike out a lot and they've got to see, they got to see the ball better this year, I think is a big key. Yeah. I think that's interesting um, too. I don't know if, um, if there's a seeing the ball better thing left. Uh, I think right. I, I might end up being just more like, uh, just being more selective. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. Right. But like, I, you know what? I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> okay. um, one question on Soto really fast. Did you, when you saw the Tatis deal, you know, as somebody who covers the Nats now, did your, did your mind go to, you know, this, this could mean something for Juan? Um, you know, what, what does this mean for Juan? And uh, I think that that security and that kind of deal is a perfect deal, especially for what Tatis is going to be in terms of marketing. Um, I think, I think oftentimes people forget this, like the Bryce Harper contract to me, he got paid that much money, not just because the baseball player he is, but because, you know, 10,000 fans every single night will be wearing Bryce Harper t-shirt jerseys. Right. And that's what, that's what Juan brings. I think to the table too. That's what Tatis definitely brings to the table. We've already seen it now. Um, do you think that's kind of, 
where it's trending. The Nationals, you know, uh, I, uh, I'm not sure how many more years of arbitration he has left, but I think they're going to lock him up sooner than later. And I think that deal might have been kind of an impetus, kind of indication of what kind of money and years he could get. Well, I mean, you would like to think that it's definitely like the deal. Ideally, yeah. Idea, yeah. And like, but we don't know. We don't know that for a fact. We know what we do know is that generally speaking, Scott Boris isn't one to tell his clients to sign extensions um, without hitting the open market. Right. Uh, and and we do know that Juan Soto still has two, three years left. Yeah, it's two or three years left, I believe. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, he's it's it's not, yeah he won't be a free agent for a while. Yeah. So he still has time to really bring up his value even more, mm -hmm. um, which all points, all trends point in that direction that he will continue to skyrocket and he will continue to be star a star MLB player. So um, I just don't see either side. I mean, for the, from the Nats perspective, if they really want to extend him, like definitely try now, like before, right. before that value gets too high. Um, but from Soto's perspective, from like the fact that he, he'll want to like take care of his family for generations in the Dominican Republic, like that, there's no, there's no incentive to sign a deal before you really have all of your facts laid out in front of you. Um, so it's just really hard to say mm. whether or not that particular deal is going to have an impact on what Soto, what Soto does with the nationals or vice versa in mm -hmm. the future. Um, I think one thing to consider with the Tatis deal is what does that mean for Trey, Trey Turner? Um, yeah, because I mean they're going to take care of him first too. That's the one thing, obviously, I should have mentioned is that you know that's the first extension they got to take care of, and they have to lock him up because I think there's a chance that he's probably the best leadoff hitter. In you know, I mean, for what he does and just the way he's, I mean, he's going to be on base. It feels like a couple times every single game, uh, and and you know that especially the lineup you know, with the way that their lineup is and the way that they want to keep it. Uh, that's going to be, it's just so valuable. And I don't think they can put it, you know, his defense needs to improve a bad year defensively, but everybody the last year on the team. But I think, yeah, if I'm Mike Rizzo, I think that's kind of, you know, that's, that's where your mind's at right now. I think, and I think he's expressed that as well. Yeah, exactly. I think Turner, I mean, I also, if you think about like what the market will look like by the time he becomes a free agent, which is, mm -hmm. I think is after next year. Yeah. He's got, yeah. He's got one, yeah, one or two more years left. So, I mean, like he'll be, He'd probably be one of the top two, three, four available mm -hmm. shortstops at that point. I don't, I don't, I can't remember off the top of my head who is available after this year. Um, I mean, sorry, after next year. Does it but, even matter? I mean, it, I don't think it even matters who else is available, right? He's that good of a leadoff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think once the Francisco Lindor deal goes through, if it goes through, if there's an extension for Lindor and the Mets, then mm. that's kind of when you start to think, oh, okay, it looks like this, this could actually work out because then – Nationals will realize, okay, well, we have a shortstop who's really good. He's going to get a lot of money on the free market. So maybe we want to lock him up before it gets too hard to sign him. Yeah. One final thing, you know, watch just kind of, is there any general like concept or, or theme or idea? Any just something that you're getting a sense of from these guys? I know it's hard over Zoom. You know, it's a lot easier when you're there at spring training, you're talking to players and you get, you get such a better sense of the morale and kind of the idea and the attitude about what the season could look like. But is there any concept, you know, anything that's kind of been reverberating around from guy to guy to guy that just kind of remains the same, you know, no matter who's talking, it's kind of, you know, I think the go one and know one and know every day thing was a slogan for a while and that caught on with everybody. Uh, is there anything kind of in that sense, you know, you're catching or. 
it's hard over Zoom. <laughs> it, it really is, isn't it? I, think, I feel like I feel like Davey Martinez has said something um, a couple of times over. I think his his point has just been um, he really emphasized over the off season, as, from what he has said, mm. um, that he emphasized over the off season to every player that they just need to come to spring training ready to work mm. and not come to spring training ready to get ready to for the season. Like he wanted day one of spring training to be actual like work, do everything that they need to do to get better and be on the field. Like he said, he said the other day that he wants the players to treat uh, to be May 1st ready on April, April 1st, mm. which he said it has always been like a theme, but he's really emphasizing that this year. So I think that's that's probably probably the the one and know every day thing for at least for at least the next month. Like the May first, ready April first is, is the right. Is well, it makes sense. I mean, look, the last two years they started off horribly. Uh, they've they've they, you know and they continue being horrible. But their last two years have been they've started off you know they've they've not done a good job. Now I do think there's something about a veteran team knowing how to pace itself and not panicking those spots, um, but. I think that, you know, this season there in this, in this division too, there's no room for that error. And even if you want to, if you want a wild card spot, I mean, you look across the, you know, uh, you know, I, I presume the Cardinals will probably win the central, but it's going to be a dogfight. I mean, you think about the three division winners, probably the Dodgers Cardinals, and then I'll say the Braves because they won it last year. That leaves the Padres, the Mets, the Nats, the Brewers, uh, you know, the Phillies. I mean, they got Real Muto and Harper. I'm not sure how competitive they'll be, but you know, they want to be the Marlins, you know, I don't really know about them, but all these teams are going to be are going to be battling out for these spots, and I'm not sure if you can fight your way out of an early hole the same way you could have done uh, back in you know 2019. I don't know if there's going to be that luxury. So I think it's I, I think you know I, I I actually had noticed him saying that. I think it's really important for them to start fast this year. Do you? Yeah, I think so. Um, definitely. I think one of the things that I've been trying to figure out. Um, I mean, I, I don't know, figure out is really the right term, but like one of the things that I do think that they have working to their advantage is like you already mentioned, like that the the veteran presence that can, mm. that can pace itself. I think that's really going to be important in that first half because um, that's when you're kind of going to find out like, well, how far can you push yourself? Right. Can you can you reel some of it in so that you're better that you still have some of it at the end of the season? Um, that's going to be just just that ability to kind of. Not you know not lean off, but you know just kind of just make sure that you're that you're still good for the rest of the season. I think that's right. really important, and um, that'll that'll just automatically I think help uh, just get off to the fast start. We already saw it with Max Scherzer. I mean, I, I think there's no better Max Scherzer story. You know, I think you know all about Max Scherzer now after the one story. He he sprained his ankle and he wanted to pitch a bullpen and be damned he was going to do it and he noted it wasn't a good idea but he went out there and did it and i think also too you know them saying hey dial it back i think that's pretty good evidence of what you know of what you're saying uh maria torres of the athletic thank you so much for uh giving us some time where can people find you and all of your work you can find um nationals coverage and all the coverage from the athletic at theathletic.com we also have an app it's called the athletic so give that a download and please subscribe um they have a like week long free trial going right now. Um, so take advantage of that while as spring training ramping up. You can also follow me at Maria underscore Torres three at on Twitter. Awesome. Maria Torres of the athletic.
All right, that will do it for my conversation with Maria. Make sure you guys go check us out on Twitter at LO underscore nationals. Follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. And until next time, my friends, please stay safe.